Okay, everybody, thanks for picking to spend the next hour with us on Health Checkup. Tonight, I am so excited to have three panelists helping us spotlight a very important chain of survival, and that is our 911 dispatchers. We are so excited to have with us tonight April Hines, who is the new Director of Operations for EM911 and PS and PSAP. PSAP is Public Service Access Point or your call centers. And April Hines is with um, NINA. NINA stands for National Emergency Number Association. And they're the ones that have taken care of creating that three digit number, 911. Also on our panel tonight is Joshua. He is the quality assurance and trainer for dispatch and public dispatchers for Lake County. And then we also have Tara, who has taken time tonight to represent our sheriff department police side of our 911. So just to explain what's going on, um, when I call 911, and you are visiting me here in Lake County, Florida, the call center or PSAP is one place. So the dispatcher will say, is this police? What do you need, police or fire or medical? And depending on what you answer, you will either get Tara's team, which is the police department, or you will get Joshua's team, that's fire and medical. So what I wanna do now is allow April the opportunity to just explain what Nina is and a little bit of what her role and what she does with Nina. And April, all yours. Okay, hi everybody. Um, I'm April Heinze. I am the 911 and PSAP Operations Director for Nina, which is the 911 Association. Um, we are, Nina's uh, job is to improve 911 through research, standards development, training, education, outreach, and advocacy. We are a member organization. We have almost 16,000 members strong across, the, across North America. Um, we have about 48 chapters, and we are actually in the process of moving into South America as well. So um, we are, Every day, um, uh, it is our mission to provide an effective and accessible 911 service um, for our citizens. Um, it's my responsibility at NENA uh, to, for industry innovations and innovations, industry and innovations awareness, um, operational standards development. I do some event productions and membership, um, work with the membership. I also do industry and media relations, which is one of the reasons why I'm on here tonight, along with several other activities and projects. Um, I have spent about 30 years, almost 30 years, in the 911 industry. Um, I began as a 911 telecommunicator and worked my way up from telecommunicator to, to director in the same organization in Michigan, um, where I spent 24 years. Um, and then just prior to coming to work for Nina, I uh, was recruited 
for one of the nation's leading next generation 911 providers and spent about three years as a PSAP liaison and advocate um, during that time. So um, I have a little bit of experience when it comes to the 911 realm. And I think tonight, one of the things I, uh, one of my, my responsibilities here is to kind of explain to you, what does a 911 professional do? Well, it's a critical role that serves as the vital communications link between the public needing help and emergency services responses. Um, it entails uh, the, a person to be able to work independently in a high stress environment while receiving and evaluating incoming emergency and administrative calls. Um, and those calls are typically requests for services like law enforcement, fire, and emergency medical services or EMS. They triage those requests for service, uh, providing guidance and assistance to the public in those life safety situations and coordinate appropriate responses to high-risk, high-stress oper operations and with the objective of keeping all of the people involved safe. Um, so that's, I mean, very high level. That's what a 911 professional does. Now, sometimes you hear them called call takers. Sometimes you hear them called dispatchers. Sometimes you hear them called telecommunicators. But they're all 911 professionals. And each of those jobs may entail something different. A call taker is typically in a large PSAP. Um, that person is simply responsible for answering calls. Um, a dispatcher is somebody who actually takes the call that the call taker took and dispatches it out to the appropriate responding agencies. A telecommunicator is typically somebody who does both of those jobs. Um, whether they do it simultaneously or they perform one task and then another task at, very, at different times. Um, it depends on the role of that 911 center. Well, thank you, April. That was very informative. I do have a question. Mm -hmm. um, do you know how 911 was chosen? How those three numbers were chosen? Yes, uh, well, I've always well, wanted to know. Well, that's interesting. Um, what it boiled down to, believe it or not, is we, the, and this was 50 years ago when 911 came about. Um, so 911, they, the, uh, our legislature at a national level wanted a three-digit emergency number that would not be confused with anything else. And they needed a um, that three digits. They did not want it to interfere with any other um, like area codes or three digit prefixes for the phone uh, for the phone systems. So 911 just happened to be one of the few numbers available that was not already either an area code or a prefix for calling uh, seven digit calling numbers. So 911 was chosen, and um, it was made the uh, emergency number. Um, uh, it's been 52 years now. Wow. Well, thank you. I've always wanted to know the answer to that. Okay. Well, looking forward to learning more. Joshua, can you say hi? Good afternoon, everyone. How is everyone tonight? 
<laughs> so Joshua is our quality assurance and trainer for the fire and EMS portion of here in Lake County. So Joshua, tell us, um, I believe you've been involved since 2007 as in the dispatcher world? That is correct. I started in 2007 and I've been there since then. Okay. So what, how many dispatchers do we have in Lake County? So for fire and medical, um, we have a staff just under 40. Um, each shift oh. consists of nine during the day and you're between seven and eight at night. Um, that was strictly for medical and fireside. Um, I do know there are more dispatchers on the law enforcement side um, because of their call volume and the agencies they dispatch for. Okay, wonderful. So we have Tara on the line that is representing the police side of Lake County. Tara, thank you for being here with us tonight. Yes, ma'am. I'm glad to be here. So tell us about your history of being involved with our Lake County. Yes, ma'am. I have been with Lake County Sheriff's Office for 10 years. Majority of my career I have spent as a certified training officer. I have promoted up through and I've been assistant lead and a lead and I am now actually the training coordinator for our training division for the Lake County Sheriff's Office. Wonderful. So Joshua kind of hinted that you have more team members to keep up on all the new advances. How many team members do we have representing? Yes, ma'am. We are actually budgeted for 62 positions. Right now we have approximately 48 full-time employees um, and we are working on about 17 trainees that I have seven certified training officers that are training those dispatchers just to be able to support the call volume. Wow. Well, really appreciate all you all you do for us. Okay, so I know without any hands raising, everybody wants to know. If each one of you, starting with April, tell us a story of your 911 calls that you can share. April? Oh, wow. Um, you know, it's interesting. People always ask those questions. And... Um, one of the things that I think both Josh and Tara will tell you or attest to is when you're training new hires, one of the things you try to tell them is when you're done with a call, you need to let, let it go and move on to the next. So you have a tendency to not always remember all of the calls that you, you have taken over the years. Um, but uh, let me think if there's anything in particular. I mean, I, there, there are specific calls that will stay with you for the rest of your life. Um, you, you take a, a, a call of a child not breathing and, and have to perform, walk the, the mother through CPR. You'll never forget that call. Um, but then you've also got some really fun calls where, you know, you have a child calling because their mommy's being mean to them. And as you're talking to them, mommy's being mean because mommy hasn't allowed them to have ice cream that night. And she's telling them <laughs> they have to go to bed. Um, so you have there, you have a lot of variation when it comes to calls. And some of those are, those are definitely some of them that are the favorite, your favorites, right? But 
Um, one of the one of the things I know that uh, you wanted to touch on later on is why do we ask so many questions? Well, that child that calls you and says, "Mommy's being mean." Well, you need to you need to find out in that call. Although it's adorable and cute, you need to find out if that child is actually being abused. And so you will ask a lot of questions like, what do you mean mommy's being mean to you? What's happened tonight? Um, why do you, why are you sad? Um, you have to, so you have to ask a lot of different questions and you ask them in, in different ways to make sure what they're telling you is as valid as possible. So um, even though that's probably one of my favorite calls, uh, it's also one that you, it, it's a teaching moment, right? So you need to understand that there are a lot of questions that we're going to ask because we need to make sure that what we're being told is as accurate as possible before we send the first responders. Thank you, April, so much. And I appreciate that you included that. Okay, Joshua, your turn. Share a call with us that you can share. All right, so this one was back when I was training, so it's around 2007. Um, it's when we were dispatching for two separate counties, so we had both Lake and Sumter. Um, it was in the beginning of the shift, and I had a hysterical caller on the phone. I, it took me a long time to figure out what was going on because this person was hysterical, and um, it ended up being that this person was outside cutting the grass and they had a bug in their ear. And to me, that's the one call that I can remember um, right off the top of my head it was just a bug in an ear. And I oh. could just see how they were reacting. And I'm right there with them. I felt their, their pain and their, yeah, I don't do bugs. So if there was so one thing that you thing. can tell callers Joshua, when they call and you're asking all those questions, what would it be? So in emergency situations, we kind of tend to turn into somebody who we normally not, the most serious person when something happens, you kind of turn into a whole different person. And it's the unknown, the unexpected of what's going to happen next. And so I, I like having these outreach programs where we can teach the community what to expect next. So we're hoping that will calm you down and try to remain calm and understand these questions are getting you the right resources to the right location. And even though these questions and instructions seem like they're going on and on and seconds seem like minutes and minutes seem like hours, we're getting you help and just to try to remain calm. Thank you, Joshua, so much for sharing that information. Okay, Tara, your turn. Um, yes, ma'am, one of the things that definitely come to mind, and I, I have to second with April, is you definitely have the good times and you have the really bad times. And one of the things that definitely sticks in my head as a dispatcher are the screams of a mother. I feel like that's one thing that you can never shake or get rid of. Um, I would have to say one of the calls that comes straight to my memory would be a domestic dispute um, between a husband and wife, and the husband ended up taking the child's life. Um, and that is probably one of the worst calls I've ever taken. Um, and it still sticks with you to this day. It's, it's one of those things that you just never get over. Um, 
But on the other side of it, as April has already mentioned, I did when I was uh, first hired and I was in training, I was able to transfer over a caller over to Lake Emergency Dispatch, and I was able to hear a baby being born on the phone. So you have your highlights, and then you definitely have uh, the lower side of the calls. And um, either way, at the end of the day, it's a rewarding, a rewarding job. Thank you, Tara. So your follow-up question is going to be a little different than April and Joshua. How do you train a new dispatcher on a little bit that April touched where you have to let it go and move to the next call? What are some tips and tricks? We definitely encourage mental health and hobbies. And um, after a very stressful call like that, we have debriefing, um, whether it be a shift debriefing or a one-on-one debriefing. Uh, We also have uh, chaplains that we can uh, tap into as a resource. We have an employee assistance program that we have as resources. We try to encourage all of the different resources and let them know that there is um, help if, if needed, if they feel as if they can't push through the call. Um, But one of the ones that I would say that we use right on scene is definitely a debriefing. Uh, Pull them out of the room, conversate with them, talk to them, uh, and encourage that they, if they can, push through it to definitely do so. Um, But there are are certain ones that that find at the end of those calls that this may not be the profession for them. And then we do have the ones that um, are able to do so. Thank you, Tara, for sharing that information. So, April, I already know what some of the guests, um, our attendings, are thinking in their mind. I think I might have what we need to be a part of this profession. What What characteristics and what makes a good dispatcher that you're looking for to hire, and what kind of advancements in, in the CAD system is there for us that are vision impaired blind so we can be successful in this profession as a dispatcher? Well, that's the great questions. And, and I'll definitely talk about, first I'll talk about um, some of the, the things it's gonna take to be uh, in this profession. And then we can talk about um, some of the, the um, reasonable accommodations that may be able to be made. So um, first of all, I obviously want somebody who's going to be dependable, self-motivated, team-oriented, and have a desire to provide for um, their com- provide a specific service for their community. Um, but uh, we, you know, some of the really important skills and abilities that um, a 911 professional need is the ability to use logic and critical thinking and reasoning to reach um, conclusions and solve problems. They need to be able to adhere to policies and procedures requirements that are very stringent, rigorous, and unwavering, um, which that includes things like confidentiality um, of information and trustworthiness uh, while dealing with sensitive information. Um, The ability to clearly communicate uh, concisely and effectively and relay details accurately, be able to what we call provide, use active listening, which is 
being able to hear what's being what's in the background and actually understand what's going on and, and put it into words um, or type it into words so that um, the person who is going to be dispatching that can clearly understand it um, and think and act quickly. Um, another really important thing is to be able to compile and analyze data and prepare and maintain accurate records. Um, handling multiple tasks simultaneously under pressure and in emergency and stressful situations. Um, and then this is going to get to the point where some of these things, you, you don't always understand um, the type of calls that you're going to be dealing with. So being able to ob obtain information from somebody who may be hostile or confused or highly emotional, um, that is a, a task that is not, not something that's easy to deal with, um, especially as often as you have to deal with it. Um, be able to provide effective customer service and deal tactfully and courteously um, with a demanding public. Um, and to be able to handle complaints in difficult situations while remaining calm and uh, under that pressure. Um, so that's just a handful of things that uh, are, are going to be required of you um, in this uh, profession. Um, one of the things that's really important to understand is if you are interested in this profession, most, if not many, um, PSAPs uh, have a lengthy hiring process, um, which will typically include testing, um, a criminal history check, interviews, which, and I said that plural because sometimes there's more than one, um, a lot of PSAPs require a psychological exam and a physical exam before we, before we even offer a position. Um, and that process literally can take months. I'm pretty sure Tara and Josh can attest to that. I know my PSAP, when I would hire for my PSAP, it was at minimum a four-month process. Um, and, and none of those steps are very easy. They're, they're all, um, and they're kind of designed that way because we need to make sure that you are the person that can, can get through all of the difficult situations you're going to have to get through. Um, now, I'm kind of talking then on to um, what can we do if you are visually impaired? Um, we, I know, uh, I didn't personally have a visually impaired employee. Um, I just never had anybody who applied in my tenure there. But I know that the county next to me, to me did hire a visually impaired individual. Um, and there are, so, there are quite a few things that can be, um, can, you know, accommodations that can be made for somebody who is visually impaired, where the, the, you can get the computer screens, you can get a little bit larger computer screen, you can have um, some adaptive uh, software placed on those screens as well. Um, everything that uh, happens in the majority of public safety answering points across the United States is done within a computerized system. So um, in those, in that environment, as long as they can make reasonable accommodations, um, they, they can and will do that. But it is made on a case-by-case -case situation because some of the 911 centers are not as technical. So they're still performing things, um, you know, a little bit, uh, let's just say behind the times. Um, so, and 
technology isn't in place to help them. Um, so it really depends on, on the situation and the location. Um, but uh, I do know that it is possible to make reasonable accommodations. Thank you, April, for answering that very thoroughly. So Joshua and Tara, if you guys want to explain how it works in Lake County, how you guys share the PSAP, um, and what does that all entail? Tara, do you want to start off as you're the primary, and then we'll switch over to me as a secondary? Absolutely. Um, so we are co-located in the same room. We split the room. So Lake Emergency Dispatch is on one side with a supervisor, and our 911 operators are on another side with a supervisor. Um, we, the, as the primary answering point, the call comes in. If we answer the phone, and it's 911, do you need police, fire, or an ambulance? If they require fire or an ambulance, we transfer that call directly over to Lake Emergency Dispatch. Um, and if they need law enforcement, we keep them on the line. Thank you, Tara. Josh, can you explain why it's important that they have certain questions regarding the difference of EMS services that are dispatched? Absolutely. So our center, we dispatch for medical and fire. Um, we have international protocols um, that we use. Our center is accredited through an academy. Um, and again, it's international. So we have a standardized um, interrogation questioning process that we use. So it provides consistency um, for the medical or fire chief complaints. And based on those, the answers of the callers for those questions is what resources we send. We want to give you, we want to send you the right resources for the help that you're requesting. And along with only, not only the resources, but we can provide medical instructions, um, CPR, childbirth, um, control bleeding. Um, so life-saving instructions um, on both parts, because as you mentioned earlier, 911 is the first part of the chain of survival. And we want to give our citizens um, the best care out there. So, Thank you, Josh and Tara. Okay, what time is it? Let's see. It's 8.28. 8.28. Okay, um, Sheila, I believe it's time that we can open up and see what kind of questions we have. All right, if anyone would like to ask a question... If you are on a PC, it is Alt-Y, raise your hand. If you're on a Mac, it is Control-Shift, no, sorry, it is Option-Y. If you're on a landline, it is Star-9, and if you're on a iPhone, an N, excuse me, <laughs> iPhone, it is under the more option for raise hand. So, and to unmute on a computer is Alt-A. On the Mac, it is um, con yeah, Command-Shift-A. 
and then on a phone it is star six so I'm not seeing anybody with a raised hand Terry okay well no problem because I've got plenty of questions <laughs> so I wanted to say thank you for the three of you taking your evening and spending it with us um, so my first question is is I am newly blind I lost my vision. My background was 28 years in the medical field. And I, in December, had to call 911 because my service dog and I were attacked by two dogs. It was very terrifying as I felt all the blood coming out of my service dog and my hands. And as I called for help, the dispatcher was wonderful, but I was so extremely frustrated because I went into panic mode, not because of the blood dripping and everything I was feeling, but I couldn't be my own witness. And I already knew the question she was going to ask me. So what can you recommend to us that are vision impaired blind of what kind of information or how we can be a better historian of the events to make sure we get the right assistance and to make sure we get as much information. So I can start that if in um, and I definitely can understand how scary it is. I myself have had to call 911 before and um, I think it actually made me better at my job because I had to be on the other end of the phone um, and then you know, when I got back to work, it was easier for me to, to understand and empathize with my callers. Um, but I will say, you do have other senses. And um, as to, for your own ability, I'm not sure what that is, sorry. <laughs> um, for you, my suggestion would be to be able to explain that I, I heard what you heard, right? You have other senses. I heard this, I, I um, felt this, I could smell this, um, so that those things are, can also paint a picture. Um, believe it or not, um, in, as a 911 professional, they're in essence in the same situation you were when you couldn't physically see what was happening. So they take in all of the audible um, cues and have to paint the picture based on audible only cues for the responders. So if you say, I heard two distinct different dogs, they sounded, one sounded like a small dog, one sounded like a large dog. Those are, that is, that is, is, that is great information to be able to provide to us. Um, so use your other senses and tell us what you, you sensed. Thank you, April. Joshua, Tara, do you have any um, additional information you can share? I would um, also say a, a valid resource would be, if acceptable at all, would be to maybe try to video on the phone or um, something that would give the responder that's actually coming out there some kind of insight as to what might have taken place while they were on the phone. But I definitely agree with April as we are essentially 
visually impaired as well, we have to rely on what we can hear in the background of every phone call that we take, and we have to try to piece together pieces um, from the, the caller themselves and try to put together the puzzle from the background. Thank you, Tara. Joshua? I think April and um, Tara did a wonderful job explaining what I was going to try to explain. <laughs> they did it in great words. <laughs> Has any, are there any hands elevated? No, ma'am. Okay. So have any of you guys had a call from someone who was vision impaired or blind that you, that you found it challenging? <laughs> They're all going to say no. <laughs> I Do you have, have not personally received oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joshua. What were we going to say? Oh, I have not had a call um, okay. at all. Sheila, I do you have any have questions? No, and actually we've had a few people um, join, so you might want to ask the question again. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for joining our call tonight. We have three wonderful panelists that are pulling the curtain so we can experience and understand better an important chain of survival, the 911 dispatcher. And it's such an important role. It's one of the first links, uh, get help. And how do you get help? But you dial 911. So we're just asking any questions. April is from uh, Nina, which is the National Emergency Number Association. In other words, the 911 number. She is new to her position as the operation director for EMS operators, dispatchers, and P, uh, PSAP, which is Public Safety Access Point. We have Joshua and Tara that are representing Lake County. Woo-woo, in the house. Um, Joshua is a quality assurance and trainer for the EMS fire side of our PSAP, and Tara is representing the police side, the sheriff department. So All please right. take, take your chance to, here's your chance, everybody. Ask your questions. Raise your hand. I actually have somebody, three, seven, four last numbers of your phone. Okay, this is Karen from Philadelphia. Hi, Karen. Oh, hey, Karen. Hi, everyone. Um, that was a great uh, suggestion about taking a video. So I just thought, can, can you call 911 using FaceTime? I can take that. I mean, um, uh, no, not today. Uh, that is not okay. technically possible, unfortunately. Um, we do have oh. some 911 centers across the United States that have the ability to send you a link to be able to see or to open up a video, um, but those are few and far between right now. Um, as the nation, right now, we use a, uh, across the United States, we're in the process of doing a lot of conversions to what we call next generation 911, which is mm -hmm. converting our old um, landline analog phone systems over to an IC-based phone system. Um, once the, the U.S. is fully deployed on Next Generation 911, we'll be able to have the carriers then start opening up the ability to, to send more 
IP type um, technologies through to 911. So as of right now, the answer to that is no, unfortunately. Hmm. Okay. Thank you so much, Karen. Mm -hmm. All right. I have one more. Someone, oh, I'm sorry, Karen, go ahead. I have one more question. Well, I got two questions, I guess. Will your Amazon device, will that, if you have it, you know, hooked up to your, you know, it's, it's fully working, you know, if you tell that to call 911, will it? And with your iPhone, I guess like any other contact, if you say call Joanne or whatever, if you, you know, uh, activate Siri, can you just tell Siri to call 911 and she, she can do it? So the that's answer. A, that's the, a great question. <laughs> yeah. So, so to answer the Amazon question, um, it depends. If your Amazon device is going through your cellular phone, the answer to that is yes. Um, but it doesn't always work. Uh, it does oh, wow. not work if it is part of a voice over IP phone system. So it really depends. Um, but you can reach out to your local 911 center and try and test that to see if it would work for you. As far as Surrey is concerned, yes. If you say the words, hey, Surrey, now mine just activated, so I have to shut it off, um, <laughs> and then say call 911, it will do exactly that. It will call by moment. Okay. Um, Apple also has on their uh, I, or their Apple uh, watches. Uh -huh. There are there oh, is wow. also on some of the new watches they have like a fall detection device, um, and that will call nine one one in the event of a really hard fall. Um, so there are some devices that are doing it for you. Other devices are not capable yet. So how does the watch know that you just didn't drop the watch as opposed to you falling with the watch You on? know, that's a really great question. And I wish I could answer that in like really great techno speak, so I can't. But it can tell okay. you that it definitely can tell the difference. Um, I can literally drop my, my Apple Watch right now and it will not call 911. But if you have a really, it's interesting because we have some um, some folks in out in the uh, the areas of Colorado who have uh, ski resorts, um, and you could they said you can tell once uh, the, we've had a really great snow out there because you'll have people going down the mountain and um, they'll fall really hard you know, or maybe take a really good tumble or something, and the in the watch is calling 911. So um, there is really a difference in it. Uh, I'm sure that they've they've made it. Um, I'm sure Apple could tell you how it works, but I can't. Well, that All might right. be another Gary. call. Okay, mm -hmm. um, Carrie, can you hear me? Um, the do we have any more hands raised? Yes, we do. Last three, three. Uh, last number three one six. You may unmute. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 216. I was looking. Okay. It's me. Cindy from Texas. How are you doing? Hello, oh. Texas. Yes. Hi. 
I wanted to ask, um, in any of the three, uh, when a person is being trained, are they, um, <clears throat> pardon me, are they trained with all ages of people, like elderly, children, um, I would assume they are, but, you know, all, all of the different ages, not specific ages, but different categories. I think what you're asking is, is how to interact with the different ages, and is that what you mean? Probably, yes. Okay. So how does the training occur for sensitivity of age-specific responses, is I believe what what is being asked? Mainly things like elderly, um, all different ages, disabled, um, all different types of people. So Tara, Joshua, and April, how is how is that part of the training? How do you guys do? You do simulation calls. Um, how do you how do you prepare a dispatcher to deal with a child, a senior, or someone that is vision impaired? Great question. We just, um, Tara with Lake County, we just train, uh, we start a foundation on basic calls, but then as the training progresses, we actually train on live calls. We don't do, um, I wouldn't per se, simulated calls. Um, so they, they are trained to handle every situation differently um, because every scenario is going to be different. They're trained to have patience and talk slower if needed. Um, and if we need to raise our volume in order for somebody to hear us better. Uh, for children, they are trained to, to try to get their attention and talk to them as they would a, a child. We, we train them to talk to the people on the other side, our callers on the other side of the phone, just as we would in a normal day-to-day -day scenario. So we have to know when to change our dialogue and our levels of volume and when to increase them and decrease them. And that's all part of the training process, but it doesn't come from a call simulation. It's, it's more for ours, I can say live. Thank you, April. Do we have Aren't any more hands? Yes, ma'am. I am. Um, could I say one other thing? Uh, April, Josh, and Kara, I want to tell you and all first responders how much you contribute to our country, our towns and cities. Um, please know that you are a very, very special part of our society, our, just all that goes on. And please know that um, you probably save many, many lives and calm many, many people uh, during your time at work and, and others. Well, thank you, ma'am. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. All right, Hiel, you may unmute. Good evening. Wow, oh, where am I? Um, so, a few years ago, I started hearing more and more about um, text messaging 911 because I'm also very much associated with the 
not only am I visually impaired, but I'm also ASL fluent. So I started, you know, in the deaf, you know, in the deaf community, started hearing a lot about um, ways that the deaf can communicate a little bit better with with first responders. Um, so it, it kind of varies from state to state in my personal experience, some, some things. But one thing that I started hearing more about was being able to text 911. How universal is that? Or is that more of a local thing? And hi, yeah. Al, you're calling from Portland or uh, what? Oregon. I'm calling Washington. from uh, Bellevue, Washington, just out of Seattle. Right. So I, I can take that. Um, we have about um, somewhere between 40 and 50% of the United States that's covered by text to 911 service today. Um, those numbers continually continue to increase um, quite a bit. Uh, it is up to local control because 911 is a local entity and it, it is under local control. Um, it, it, it's up to that 911 center to determine whether or not text to 911 is for uh, is something that they're going to deploy. Uh, as of today, it is not something that is required. Um, the Department of Justice does require all 911 centers across the United States to have TDD or TTY <laughs> devices in their um, PTAPs and uh, man that. Um, but text to 911 is not yet been mandated by the Department of Justice. Um, how, how would one go about? Um talking to their local because I mean I live in a very specific type of area um rather western Washington is full of deafblind individuals um mm -hmm. it is it is very centric to here because of the 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 um, services that western Washington provides so how would somebody who like me hard of hearing and blind and other deafblind people go about you know, communicating with local 911 centers and seeing if th this could be a thing. Absolutely. Well, no matter where uh, you are in the United States, 911 is to be used for emergencies. So what you would do is you would want to reach out to your local 911 by asking for the non-emergency number. And usually the city, uh, your city is the best place to start. And they will direct you to the non-emergency number to call to ask for any questions. Okay, because, yeah. All right, that, that's a good start. All righty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can ask for the, emer um, the emergency management office number, and that's they can also help you and direct you in which way is best. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Hiel. That was an awesome question. Thanks for being here. No problem. Pleasure. Right. Any more hands? Yes. The last three, uh, three, seven, four. You may unmute. Hi, this is Karen again. Um, Philadelphia, Karen. What's happening? Yep. Um, I'm in Philadelphia, and you know, Philadelphia is a little rough now. I mean, you 911 operators are obviously like little angels just sitting there on the other side of the, you know, with the headset on. But I'm in Philadelphia, and they can be kind of, kind of rough. I mean, I've had to call 911 a few times for some like neighborhood emergencies, and um, they've, they've I've had a, not good experiences. And like one experience, I was trying to get them to come out. There was some neighbors that the father was threatening the son with a baseball bat, and 
and it was I was drama and and she was like, Oh, we're not gonna come out and I'm like, Oh my god, like you have to like you she's like you don't understand what I'm saying and she just was really giving me a hard way to go. Um one time I actually called about my son and um he was just really just you know, kids. That's all I could say, teenagers and I was like, that's it, I'm going to call now. He wasn't, like, hitting me or anything. It wasn't nothing like that. But I just was like, you know, I just really wanted to scare him. And the 911 operator actually had to report him. He actually, um, I mean, he didn't curse at me, but he actually laid me out as a parent. And um, it was the oddest thing. I was just sitting there, like, holding the phone, like, is he talking to me this way? Like, he, you know, told me I was a bad mother and all his other stuff. And he actually hung up on me. So I had to get him reported and Another time I was trying to call about some neighbors that was fighting. It was a father and a stepson. And, um, and I, so, you know, I didn't want to lie. I couldn't figure out how to get them to come out there. I didn't want to say anybody had a weapon because they didn't, not from what I could see, even though I can't see. I just didn't hear anybody say anything about a weapon. So, I didn't want Karen, to lie, I hear what you're saying, and I do want to extrapolate on that. Joshua, as being part of Quality Assurance, how does someone report when they feel they were not heard or it was not um, seen as an emergency? What is what is a way a citizen can um, have an, an opportunity of improvement? Um, how do they go about that? I would definitely say start with the communication center um, that you called, especially in your city, mm -hmm. your county. Um, bring it to the attention of the management staff. I know for our agency, um, we pride ourselves on customer service, and we do random case reviews and feedback and training. Um, but definitely start with the agency that it happened at and have them investigate it because we're here to provide a service. We're here to send you the right resources and provide the best care that we can do over the phone. And, um, Thank you, Karen, for sharing that. Thank you, Joshua, for your answer. And as we all know, we're all human first, and we don't know what kind of call that dispatcher just got off of, and we're all human mm -hmm. first. But, you know, as a professional, um, everyone is held for accountability. And one thing, when you call 911, you are always recorded. Because, again, like April, Tara, and Joshua answered, they are being our ears and they're blind to the situation just like how we might and they go back over and listen to those recordings so there is at least documentation so great mm -hmm. question karen okay are any more hands raised yes beth you may unmute hello this is beth i have several questions for you. Is there a minimum, maximum age requirement to be able to be a dispatcher there? That this for is 911? And, and I think that um, for the most part, I don't believe there is an age requirement, but that may be under local control. Um, if there there may be local ordinances or local uh, local um, regulations, I would say that may say that they may have adopted for the maximum age of a um, you know emergency professional. 
I, I don't know of really um, any local ordinances anywhere in particular, but I do know that there is oftentimes, um, uh, even some states have requirements as far as um, ages are concerned. So it really depends on the local area. So you probably would need to talk to wherever it is that you're interested in applying. Oh, okay. And also, yes, our, our state is a very rural state, too, and they have had problems with um, the 911 operators, show, um, not the operators, but the, um, like, police and them. Uh, either the operators don't report the calls right away or um, they've showed up a long, long time after the crime had already happened and... Um, or they don't come at all. They they had problems with that, like in the, a few cities in our state, and it got to the news media and things like that. You know. Well, Beth, I want to say also, thank you for thank you for asking those questions. And I just want to say um, I recommend that sounds like there's some advocacy work that could be done in your own backyard, and you can reach out to the non-emergency center and management and see what you can do to help out and improve that situation. Um, because as April, Josh, and Tara, every part of our North America, there are standards of the profession, but each is controlled by your local. So we right. have more hands raised, Beth. So if you don't mind, let's see if there's someone who hasn't got a chance to ask any questions and we'll come back. Is that okay, Beth? Yeah. Thanks, Beth. Hi, Al. You may unmute. So, <clears throat> Beth's gonna, somebody kind of, oh, Karen did, reminded me of a situation that I had last year, and my roommate says to report it, but I'm not sure how. Um, so, I was stranded by Lyft last year. Um, I, was, I was dropped off in a place that was close enough to my apartment, but I couldn't cross the street because I'm hard of hearing. Um, it's literally impossible for me to cross the street by myself. Um, and so I was dropped off just in the front of a business and I was thinking, well, maybe I can call 911 and somebody can help me. Because that's what I was taught growing up. You know, if you get into a pickle, call 911. So yesterday, um, rather that night, it was already 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. I called 911 and she's like, well, um, somebody will be there. I said, okay. They knew exactly where I was. I just couldn't get home. Um, my phone was at 10%. <laughs> um, and my phone battery, rather. And I was like, well, I waited another 15 minutes. And I called back and I said, you know, I called at X, Y, Z time. And I was told that, you know, somebody would try to help me. And she's like, well, you know, um, unfortunately, we can't help you because, um, the police, the, the 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 police force in Bellevue and Redmond are too are too busy tonight, and you know um, you're gonna have to figure something out. And this it was this. I told both operators. It sounded like the same one, but I will assume it's two different people. Um, that I was hard of hearing and nearly deaf and and blind, and I can't get home. And um, fortunately, um, that night I. I risked it and somebody came up to me and told me that, you know, 
they work at the place where I was dropped off and stranded at and um, that, that they'd be willing to take me home because they've been seeing me stand outside for the last 30, 45 minutes, however long I was standing outside. Um, and it was getting later and later and I took him up on the zapper and fortunately nothing happened to me. He, he turned out to be actually a good Samaritan. So I don't know how to approach this because I'm afraid of it happening again. Hiel, I hear what you're saying, and I want—I would like to ask April, Tara, and Josh to take turns answering that call. What do you do in that situation? Well, I, this is April. Um, one of the things I might suggest uh, at this point, there's not much you can do. Be, or, you know, it's already the the time is already gone. So um, you could. Take the time, just like Josh had mentioned um, when uh, somebody else was talking about not getting very good service. You you can contact that um, that communication center on their non-emergency line and talk to somebody who is in authority there and and discuss the concerns and they can um, walk you through some of your options. Um, unfortunately, there are times, I will tell you, and this isn't always a good thing, but there are times when um, law enforcement or fire and EMS, they're just having an extremely busy night, and it may take them a lot longer to get to you um, because what the, the situation you're in is not, not what they would consider emergencies. Um, uh, emergency. Well, I'm well, unfortunately, you also do have things that happen that, you know, you have shootings, you have other more pressing emergencies that will have to be main, uh, taken care of prior to assisting a citizen, um, which is not a good thing. It's just what what the world has come to today when, when we're really busy. Sometimes it's going to take a while before you're, you're going to get the, the help you need. Um, and I, I wish I had a better answer for you than that. Terry, you have one minute and one hand raised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, thank you, Hiel, for that question. Um, who is, is it someone that's already asked a question? I believe so. It's this is Karen again. I got one quick question. How often do you guys get calls where when you pick it up, you don't hear a person, but you may hear some kind of noise, not necessarily a shooting, because you know what that is, some kind of strange noise, or you might hear animals barking, like if somebody, you know, dials 911, but they pass out, but their dog is there, and their dog is barking in the phone, and often you get sounds that make you respond. So, um, Karen, thank you for asking that question. Um, we'll take one, one of the panelists to respond. This is Tara with Lake County. I would be fine with taking that. Um, I'm going to say every day. We get 911, what we call, they're not really abandoned 911 calls. They're open lines, and we mm -hmm. treat them as if they were any other 911 call. We listen for the background, and if we can get some type of location on the cellular device or if it comes in on a landline, phone, we send units out just to verify that everything is okay um, and, and try not to leave anything unfounded. Now, um, cellular phones, if they don't give us 
what we call a phase two coordinate, we can't get an exact location on that phone sometimes. So that makes it mm -hmm. kind of difficult. Um, but we definitely, we do listen very closely to those open lines. And if we can get a location for a response, we definitely send somebody out. Okay, thank you. Okay, I just want to say thank you, everybody. It's time for us to end this call. Um, we didn't get to SMART 911, so I would like to ask the panelists if you guys would be interested in coming back and talking about SMART 911, and if there's another um, call, if you guys would be interested in coming back. Absolutely. Um, this is yeah. This is Joshua. I'm more than um, happy to come back and talk about Smart um, Smart 911 as a valuable right. resource, um, especially for your community. Um, so wonderful, wonderful. Well, we'll we'll um, offline schedule later on um, when we can do that on a Wednesday evening. So everyone, thank Thanks. you okay. for being here. If there's a question that you were not able to ask, um, please email me at travel rescue woman that's r-e-s-q-w-m at gmail.com and i will definitely get the answer and if i need to forward it to one of our panelists i will do that as well so again everybody be safe keep your health in checkup mode and we'll see you next wednesday same time same Thank place you. my Thank panelists you. can you guys stay Sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Sheila, can you leave the room open for us to debrief? Um, I. It's yeah. Dave's call. It's not a. It's Dave's Zoom room. It's not ACB room. Then what I'll have to do. You make me host. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hang on. Yeah, I just want 15 minutes with my panelists just to right, close on. up. <clears throat> Thanks everybody for coming and being part of this call. Um, if you guys have questions or comments, you can hang out for a few minutes. I just want to uh, say thank you to our panelists personally. Am I host now, Sheila? Sheila Young, are you okay. here? Ooh, ooh, I have the power of hosting. You guys want to play a game? <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> um, April, thank you so much. Where are you calling from tonight? Are you in Arlington, Virginia? No, I'm actually in Michigan. I am a remote employee for Nina. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Where are you now? I'm in Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I have that thank funny you so accent. much again for participating. Um, I really appreciate your time and helping us out. Um, how did you guys feel the call went and what other subjects besides um, SMART 911 do you feel would be important for our community? I thought the call went very, very well. Great questions. Um, hopefully we were able to provide the type of information everybody wanted to hear. Um, I, I think that uh, the, I mean, 
if you're looking for questions regarding 911 that um, we didn't maybe get to tonight, uh, what different types of uh, why why we have uh, why we ask the questions that we do, um, why why we have so many questions. Um, I think you could tell by some of the folks who are listening. Um, I think it's important to understand that 911 doesn't make the determination how quickly the law enforcement or fire or EMS will respond, um, or right. even if they will respond. Those are things right. that are under local control for that law enforcement agency or fire or EMS agency. Fire EMS is, is different because they're people don't just call fire and EMS, fire and EMS for, um, you know, unless they truly have an emergency usually. Uh, where law enforcement is concerned, they get very, very busy. Um, and uh, and it, it isn't the 911, it's not the, the people who are answering the call's choice whether or not they will respond. Yeah, so, in other words, don't hurt the messenger. That's what the dispatcher is, is the messenger disseminating the information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Tara, do you so, feel maybe I should focus just on police? April and Tara, do you feel maybe we should do a call explaining and diversing more into that side? Or what? how do you feel? I think there's a lot of questions for it. But I definitely, I definitely agree with April. I feel like um, another thing in the smart 911, I know that's something that we definitely want to hit on. Um, I feel like when people dial 911, they automatically think that they just pop up on a map and we can see them and we're going straight to them. They really don't understand the background of what a 911 call takes in order to locate somebody, um, especially, you know, if they're not calling from a, a voice over internet or a landline phone of some sort. So I think it's, it's important for us to be able to get that across and for patients and for the questions that we have to ask that there's reasons behind that. Um, but a lot of agencies are, are dispatchers for police, fire, and, and medical at the same time. So I feel yeah. like medical is just as important. Okay, well, I'm blessed to, um, Tara, if you can get with Joshua and get my email, and we'll pick, um, maybe we'll say, you know, a date in no a Wednesday in November um, where we can do this again and you guys can join us. Is that too soon? Absolutely. No, that's okay. fine for me. Sounds yeah, good for it works you. for me, too. All right. Um, I love it. And, April, do you have anything major going on in November? Um, and probably not, definitely not in the evenings. Um, one thing I want to caution you on when it comes to Smart 911, I think it's an amazing program. Please don't get me wrong. But it's not completely ubiquitous across the United States. So we'll have to make sure we uh, – and make sure the audience understands that, that if you're in an area that is covered, your PSAP provides Smart 911 service. It's a wonderful tool. Um, but if, okay. if you're not in an area that does that, um, they're not, it, they won't be serviced. So maybe this could be a call for advocacy. Could you talk about that, April, when we do that call? Or you can sure. maybe help them you know, what they need to do to advocate to get that kind of system in their area? Or what do you recommend? 
Yeah, I have to be careful with that because I, I, there are competitors to Smart 911. So I have to be really careful. We work with all of them. Um, but a system like that would be one. Yes, I can advocate for a system like that. Um, although I have a lot of friends at Smart 911 and I really do love their products, I have to be really careful about it. Um, okay, so Jeff Smart, Tara, I apologize. Guys, that's okay. okay. No, I didn't realize Smart 911 was an actual brand. Um, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So do you think it would be necessary to just open it up to the different, um, what is the category of, of Smart 911? So they're an additional data repository, um, and they offer other um, types of services as well. Um, and I'm assuming that Lake County must utilize Smart 911 because obviously Josh and Tara both know about it and, and like it. Um, but they are, it is definitely a product that is sold to a public safety answering point. Um, some states have statewide deployments of that product, um, and other states, uh, don't. So it's, it's based on, um, PSAP by PSAP. So do you think maybe April, we... you and I can work together on inviting different vendor panelists to, you know, have the call and Tara and Joshua can talk about Smart 911 and the other vendors can talk about their areas since we do have a national um, community we're speaking to that may be able to help with advocacy work in the ground level. Um, yeah, we could do that or, or even, um, you know, maybe having somebody from, uh, I would suggest if you're going to have the vend other vendors, um, join, I would suggest definitely having maybe somebody from Smart 911 as well, um, since they, um, you would want them to be able to represent their product. Um, oh, yes, yes, of course, yes. So, uh, we could we could definitely try to help you with that. Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to say thank you, the three of you. Um, unfortunately, we weren't live streamed. Um, that's why I was a little delayed. I was trying to figure out what happened, but we were recorded. So um, it will be a podcast. Um, I have a feeling that some comments will come up and we might just have to do this all over again. <laughs> so... Mm. Yeah, so thank you again for taking your time and I respect you and want you guys to um, do what you need to do to get ready for tomorrow or tonight. I, I don't know who's working, Joshua and Tara. I don't know if you guys are working tonight. No, we work today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, go get some rest. You have a big important day tomorrow. So um, thank you. And let me see who else is in the room. I don't think Commissioner Parks made it unless he was one of the phone numbers that didn't get changed. So we still have nine people in the room. Okay, everybody, you can unmute yourself. Who's all here? <laughs> hello, hello. Oh, they're starting to drop off. You guys can unmute yourself. Hello. Hello.
Hey, Beth, what's up? Thanks I was for just being involved and asking all the great questions. That's right. I said thank you for asking all those good questions. Oh, I was just going to ask her, too, that if um, she mentioned taking a video. Now, if a person is visually impaired, you can't really tell if your camera is focusing on the right stuff it's supposed to be focusing on. Oh, so um, on, I don't have an iPhone. I have an Android. And my camera has voice. Um, it tells me what it's taking a picture of or what is in the center focus. But, you know, they're not expecting us to film, you know, uh, award-winning Academy Award movies. Um, oh, I know that. But, yeah, a picture of something is better than nothing. So I would never just... know. Oh, someone's here. April, is that you? It's Tara. Oh, hey, Tara. Thank you for being here. Hi. Absolutely. You just, you just never know what you're going to be able to catch. Even if you just run your phone across it, it could pick up anything that would be able to help somebody when they got out there to kind of maybe put a little bit of the puzzle pieces together. Um, it, it's better than nothing, uh, even if you catch just little things. And also I was going to say that uh, you were talking about that, you know, people think that you that 911 automatically knows your location that's the uh, impression that a lot of these commercials about 911 give absolutely and i think that that's why it's so important for us to make um everybody understand that it's just dependent on the phone and what you're calling from as far as being able to get a precise location for you if you don't have it to give for us Exactly, and not every not every phone has the GPS tracking device. I don't know if nine one one has access to that either. Anyway, but um, you know, not all phones have that, especially a lot of landlines. The landlines give us a direct location as to where you're at. It's the cellular, it's the cellular devices that we have to rely on the, the technology that we have at hand to be able to, to get a location for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think this would be a great call to, to do again or, you know, to add some more to it. Thank you, Beth, and we'll do that. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Uh -huh. Anybody else want to? I live in a very rural state, and I know that uh, the country is very rural in some places, and I think it would be helpful, you know. You're in New Mexico, but what what town are you near? Or I'm near, uh, uh, well, a town, probably an hour's drive from Las Cruces. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that area. Does anybody else want to add or ask or comment? I definitely want to say yeah. April and Josh and Tara, thank you for all you do for being first yeah, responders. Yeah, thank you very, very much. It was very nice presentation. Yeah. I'm the <laughs> end of the chain. I'm the, I was on the hospital side for uh, 28 years. So. Uh -huh. 
Good evening. My name is Suzanne Howell, and I'm from north of Wilmington, Delaware. Hey, how are you Hi. doing tonight, uh, Delaware? I'm, yes, doing well, thank you. I was trying to get out of the call, but with you all talking, oh, and all, it won't let me leave the room. It but won't I let do, you... Nope, I tried and to do the leave the meeting, end the meeting at Alt F4, and it just kept saying something about your audio, because uh, I don't use a camera, because I'm totally blind, but anyway... Uh, I do have a, a comment. Um, the Delaware, uh, it's called Blind, Blind Sight Delaware, uh, had several uh, had some people come to one of our support group meetings and signed all of us up for Smart 911. And we're all very excited about it. We brought our list of medications and all the information that they needed, uh, emergency uh, contacts and all that kind of thing. So. Our whole group, as far as I know, is uh, signed up for Smart 911, and I think it's a wonderful service, especially for people who live alone. Well, I can Absolutely. definitely work with Joshua input. and Tara to do our support groups with New Vision for Independence here in Lake County and Sumter. But Sumter is separate now, right, guys? Correct, yeah. Sumter is a separate agency, but... Um, okay. Yeah, we use Smart 91 definitely in Lake County. Um, we have the deaf community over here in Mount Dora. Um, so Smart 911, Text 911, um, there's some of the great resources we have locally. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's, I don't know how long it has been operating here in Delaware, but we're just very grateful for it and the people who know, know about it and brought them to our meeting to do that well, for us. Well, make sure you say thank you to your county commissioners, state legislation, whoever helped fund and find the funds to support that system because it's not cheap. So I like to say thank you for all the hard work that Tara and Joshua, um, county commissioner um, Sean Parks, which he, I don't think he made it on the call tonight, for allocating funds and money to um, make sure we keep that system. I will do that. Thank you for the recommendation. I will yeah, do that. Yeah, always say thank you for what you have. So then yes. that way when you need something else, you can say, well, remember when I said thank you for? <laughs> that is true. That is yeah, true. Yeah, I'm going to do an advocacy call coming up of, of how to um, communicate with leaders and always show appreciation. Oh, I didn't ask you guys, is there a 911 dispatcher appreciation um, week? I know there's EMS and nursing. And, um, is yes, there yes, is. Yes, ma'am. So there April. is, yeah. Yep, second full week in April usually. It's the second week of April. Yep. Okay. Usually. Yeah. Um, put me on. Put me on the list because I want to make sure that our community says thanks to you guys. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else we'll in the move. room Thank have you. any questions or comments? Well, well thank you so much for having us. Oh, wow. Let me just tell you, yes, I know it you. was quick and fast, but I have a feeling we're going to be hearing each other's voices several more times. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, we yes, also, yeah. And um, just to let you know, Sheila Young, that was our host. She just happens to be the president of Florida Council of the Blind. So I have a feeling that uh, we might be doing this for the state of Florida. 
Okay. So, okay, everybody. Well, I'm going to attempt to end the meeting because I have the power of host. <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. Have an awesome time. And thanks again for all you do. Thank you. Okay. I think Bye -bye. Thank you. Y'all have a wonderful night. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, I got to pause.